For the month of April, I'll be doing a preaching series on divine mercy because there's no way that I can unpack this awesome message in just one homily. So through April, we'll be talking about divine mercy, how to live divine mercy, how to pray the chaplet, how to live as I would call Marian missionaries of mercy. But last week, I don't know if you remember last week, it was like, you know, a whole like, you know, seven days ago and the weather was like really warm. Do you remember that? I don't have this ability, a lot of people think I do have, but they think, Father, can you say a prayer and make the weather change? And I don't have that ability. But I'm starting to hope I do, because you bet your bottom dollar that I was praying yesterday that it, pr- it rained. Because I was praying for Noah's ark, to, that, that flood, just to come and wash over the whole campus. Because it was pub crawl yesterday, and pub crawl is, it's a literal, it's a, it's a joke. It's so sad that our students believe in this lie that if I drink and get drunk and I can't walk anymore, then I'll be happy. That'll give me peace, right? But I do enjoy warm weather, and when I think of last week, one memory comes to mind. And last week, after I had Mass in Red Granite at 8.30, I went and picked up two students. They may or may not be here. We'll just say their names are Frank and Jeremiah. If you know them, then maybe they came with me. But anyways, as, as I picked them up, I brought them to my brother's house in Plymouth. And he said, come arrive around noon. So we got there at about 10 to noon. I'm like, well, let's just get some gas, stretch our legs out. And we arrived at my brother's house in Plymouth at like noon, like on the dot, right? And nobody was there. <laughs> so I called my brother PJ and I'm like, dude, where are you? You told me to be here at noon. As a priest, for, to show up on time to family events is like a miracle in itself because we're always doing stuff and we get pulled aside sometimes to serve people and what have you. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, we were, we were at Mass. It went a little bit longer. It's Easter Sunday. Uh, the front door is unlocked. Just go inside and please unlock Zoe. So Zoe is their dog. They just got a dog actually here in Oshkosh from the Humane Society, a little border collie, Jack Russell Terrier, full of energy, love to lick you all the time type dog. And we walk towards the door, and as we start walking, we see in like the little side glass doors around the door, we see Zoe looking at us. Mind you, Zoe is supposed to be locked up. So one of the students says, hey, there's the dog. (laughs) Wasn't she supposed to be locked up? And I'm like, yep. So we open the door, I grab Zoe, and we walked into a minefield. Zoe got into everything. There was uh, that Easter grass stuff, that plasticky weird stuff that girls do for their moms do for their kids and whatever, my nephews are coming over. And there's chocolate everywhere. The dog got through a lot of chocolate. I mean, I don't know how much exactly. And there's little eggshells everywhere because Zoe ate six hard-boiled eggs. And my nieces were like very disappointed because they did tie-dye Easter egg. I don't know if, I don't know how to do that, but it's, it's a thing. And then Zoe also got up into my niece Madeline's room, and Madeline had a gift from my mom, and had two chocolate Easter bunnies in there, and Zoe ate those too. So we get into this house, and I call my brother, and I'm like, and it's like a disaster zone. Um, it looked like something blew up inside of the house, and I said, uh, PJ. He's like, yep. And I'm like, uh, Zoe got out of her cage and she got into everything. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. And I'm like, uh, I wish I was. We'll clean it up. Uh, we're going to pick up best we can. And, and, and the two students, Frank and Jeremiah, if they came with me, right? Um, if they were there, they, they helped me. And we, we picked up everything, but we were the only witnesses that were there. 
And I don't believe in disciplining other people's dogs, so I just kind of took Zoe and put her outside and just let her do her thing because I'm, I'm like wondering, is she like going to explode out her back end? And is there going to be dark matter all over the house? I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. So when my brother PJ and the family started arriving, they were just like, oh my gosh, it sounds like such a mess. And we, we showed them all the stuff she ate and we went on with our day. And thankfully, Zoe didn't get sick. Now, by a raising of your hands, how many of you believe that that actually happened? So for those of you who believe that actually happened, raise your hand. Okay, and then I, I know some of you doubt me. Is there anybody in here brave enough to be like, that is a totally made-up story? Maybe one brave one there, right? It actually happened. We walked in, and there was a mess there. And it's just like our, our gospel reading. We hear about locked doors and, and coming in. I think a lot of times when we think if we let Jesus come into our locked areas of our lives, those areas where we're like, nope, you cannot go there, Jesus. We think the first thing that Jesus is going to say, if we believe, right? He's going to say, what a mess. But in our gospel reading today, he comes into the upper room of the disciples as he wants to come into your life and my life every second of every day. And he comes in, and the first thing he does is he walks through unlocked doors, comes into your darkness, and he looks at you with a loving gaze, knowing that he delights in you. And he doesn't say, oh my gosh, your life is a mess. No, he says the words, peace be with you. And it's a personal peace. Peace be with you, John. Peace be with you, Sarah. Peace be with you, Kyle. Peace be with you, Mariah, right? He wants his peace be with you, but again, it's a peace unlike anything. And he shows his disciples his wounds to say, you don't have to be afraid to show me your wounds. I know you've done things that are screwed up. I know you've been like little Zoes, running around, making a mess about everything, but I want to show you what my peace cost you so you may know that I'm serious. So he shows them his wounds in his hands. He shows them the wounds in his side. And when the disciples saw his resurrected wounds, that he wants you to have resurrected wounds, they rejoice. They're like, sweet, let's go. It actually happened. The resurrection actually happened. And then he says the words to them again, peace be with you. Peace be with you, Raiden. Peace be with you, Kyle, right? He wants his peace to be with you personally, that if you were the only person on earth, he would have died for you. He would have resurrected for you because he loves you, he delights in you, and he wants you to know his peace so you can bring his peace anywhere. But the question is, how do we do that? The next line in our gospel, it says, as Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so Jesus is sent from the Father, so I send you. So, so in order to, to give peace, we need mercy. It's, it's, it's a game changer, but it's also absolutely necessary. We need mercy. So how do we get mercy? How do we get forgiven? How do we get right with God? Well, after he had said peace be with you two times, he breathed on them, right? Sign of the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So they had to be open. Our first priests, our first apostles, had to be open. And he says to them, to those first priests, 
whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. So some people believe that I don't need to go to a priest to be forgiven. Well, I would encourage you to take out your Bibles and go to John chapter 20 and have a heart-to-heart with the Holy Spirit and ask, did you give authority to forgive sins to your priests? And did they hand that down by the laying on of hands? Because I get it. I mean, I've heard people say it. All I have to do is just squeeze my hands really tight and just pray and tell Jesus I'm sorry, and I just get this warm, fuzzy feeling, and I know I'm forgiven. That's nice. And by the way, you should repent every day, and you should ask God for his mercy, whether you feel it or not, because our feelings can mislead us. Amen? Our feelings can guide us down wrong paths. Amen? So you and I need to know that Jesus gave you a priest. He gave you a priesthood so you could receive his mercy, so you could give his mercy away. So you could receive his mercy and give his mercy away. So you could receive his mercy and give his mercy away. Because you cannot give what you do not have. Amen? So that means we need to receive God's mercy, and then we got to take time to forgive ourselves and invite him into those dark areas of our lives where we are locked off. But some of you... (laughs) think that's impossible. You doubt. And this is the Sunday for doubters. This is Divine Mercy Sunday. This is just for the doubters. Those of you who think, I saw what people did at pub crawl. No way could anybody be forgiven for that. Yeah, they can. And those of you who are like Thomas in our gospel reading today, Jesus is ready to come in. Those of you who say things like my brother, you have got to be kidding me. Did that really happen? Does he really want to come into my mess and clean it up? Well, eight days later, after Easter Vigil that we celebrated last week, some of those of us were not there. Our gospel says Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not there when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. Just like Jeremiah and Frank said, we have seen the mess, right? They are witnesses. Our witness is so important because if we don't witness to what Jesus has done for us, no one else will know this message. Jesus only created one of you. He didn't create eight of you. So that means he has a specific plan, a specific idea for your life that no one else can do because he only made one of you. He only made one Thomas, right? So we can tell a story over and over and over because, again, it never gets old. It's just that us, we get tired of asking God for his forgiveness. He never tires of forgiving us. So the disciples say, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas is like, yeah, but, right? Yeah, but. Unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He's saying, Pretty much, you have got to be kidding me. Well, (laughs) Jesus loves doubters because he's good at flipping their worlds right side up. So eight days later, doors are locked again. The disciples are up there because they're afraid again. Because mind you, they just saw their best friend be filleted, right? He had very little skin showing when he was on the cross. He didn't look much like that at all. You probably would have vomited if you would have seen how awful the scourging was and what it did to his body, what the crown of thorns did to him. So they're afraid because if they think, if we go spread this message, like, is that going to happen to us? But again, the first words that Jesus says 
to his apostles as he says to me and you in, our, in the darkness of our hearts, in the darkness of those places where you know you're not free. He says, first of all, not that you have made a mess or you are a mess. He says to you with loving eyes, with loving gaze, peace be with you, Carissa. Peace be with you, Mark. Personally, peace be with you, Thomas. And then he calls the doubters to himself. For those of you who doubt that God can do miracles, he wants to be close to you. He says, come here. Put your finger into the nail marks and know that I'm not afraid of your wounds. Come to the resurrection. Put your hand into my side. Place it on my heart and know how much I love you and I delight in you. And how I can tell you how beautiful you are, how the Father sees you as a son or a daughter. And he says to you as you do that, do not be unbelieving, but believe. The gift of faith, the gift of trusting in him. And Thomas only has five words. My Lord and my God. He's basically saying, holy crap. You are the center of everything I need and I invite you in. You are in control of everything. He's surrendering his life to God. He's saying, you are the creator of the universe. I've made you so small. And I think that you can't help me in my doubts. He just says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, as he says to all of us, have you come to believe? Do you have faith because you have seen me? Some of us, we have the gift of faith and we are so ungrateful. <laughs> but Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. You are so blessed if you have taken what others have said through their witness, through their own personal witness, and you believe because of others. That is okay. I mean, you think of like John Paul II, the man promoted divine mercy like no other. He was literally shot by a Muslim man, and when he got healthy, he went into his locked jail cell, right? And he forgave him. Some of us think that some people cannot be forgiven because of what they've done to us or what we've done to them. There's no way, and that is the opposite of the message of divine mercy. What does divine mercy say? First of all, divine mercy says, nothing you confess, nothing you bring to confession, and mind you, we'll have confessions in a little bit after Mass today, not one thing you confess will make Jesus love you less. There is not one dark thing you have done that cannot be overcome by the light of Jesus. Not one. Not one. Abortion, it can be forgiven. Murder can be forgiven. The most disgusting, immoral act you have ever done or someone has done to you can be forgiven. Drug use can be forgiven. There is not one sin greater than God's mercy, says St. Faustina. Not one. And those who have, create, who have committed the greatest sin, the, the big sinners out there, like pub crawlers, right? We, we, heard, we saw some of the things they were doing last night. Uh, those who are like the Hitlers of the world, they have first right to God's mercy. So that means if you and I were all in line to go to confession and we saw someone, we know what they were doing, we know they have big sins, you and, all, and I should all take a step back and say, please go to confession first because you need it the most. 
those who have six babies, mamas, right? They have first right to God's mercy because they need it the most. They need to know that God's forgiven them and there is another way. And St. John Paul II says that this is the only way to peace is mercy. There is no other way. That's a very black and white statement on purpose. So for a moment, I just want to ask you to gaze upon the image of divine mercy. Don't look at me, please. Jesus is more beautiful, right? (laughs) But look at the darkness. That is your doubt. That is your fear. That is your sin. And notice how Jesus just busts right through that. Look at his eyes and how he loves you. He doesn't say, what a mess. He says, my beloved, my child, you are precious, you are beautiful, you are good, you are worth dying for, you can make a difference, he says. And his right hand is raised because he wants to bless you. He wants to set you free from your addictions. He wants to set you free from your bad habits. He wants to set you free from your sins, from those areas where you are trapped in fear and doubt. He wants to bless you. And then his left hand is pointing towards his heart so that you who doubt, you who need more faith, you know where to find faith. The white represents the water which is found in baptism, the cleansing water which is found in confession, the sacraments, that he wants you to know that you're a child of God, that you can be redeemed. There is nothing outside of his mercy. And the other, the other, other side has red. Red represents his body and blood. We heard that in our second reading, water and blood, right? He wants to feed you with mercy so you can go feed others. And look at his left foot. His left foot is engaging you, which is telling you that there's nothing you can do to make him love you. He just loves you as you are. There's nothing you can do to earn it. But sometimes we are oppressed. Sometimes we are oppressed by Jesus, or by evil ones, I'm sorry, by these evil spirits, and Jesus wants to deliver us, and we need trust. So there's this prayer called the Litany of Trust by the Sisters of Life. And we're going to pray that in a moment. Marie's going to lead us in that song. And I want you to let him come in. Instead of saying, you've got to be kidding me, I want you just to sing it with all your heart. And maybe pray it for those who doubt. Maybe you are full of faith. We pray the words, deliver me, Jesus, which means take this weight, this burden off my shoulders, these addictions, these sins. Take it all away. I want to be free. I don't want to doubt you anymore. And I want to be able to spread this message freely. Also, I need to trust in you like mad crazy so that when I go into other people's lives, when, I, when you allow me to spread this message of mercy, I don't judge them. I just look at them with love and I say, peace be with you. And it's a personal peace that nothing else in this world can give. So you may know that nothing you confess will make Jesus love you less. You may know that there's not one sin outside of God's mercy. And you may know that those who have the greatest sin have first right to God's mercy. This is the heart of the gospel. 
And you and I needed to let it enter our hearts so it pours out of our hands and feet. So as Marie leads us in the litany of trust, which means a list of prayers and petitions for trust, if you have the faith aside of a mustard seed, the Lord desires to pour his water and blood from his pure side upon you today, upon that little bit of faith, and he wants to shatter that. And if you doubt that that's true, this day is just for you. Amen.